This recording is from Fintech Nexus USA, formerly known as London Fintech USA, held at the Javits Center in New York City on May 25th to 26, 2022. It's from the track Web3 and CBDCs, The Future of Money is Here, sponsored by NYDIG and is titled, How Can Fintech Companies Use Digital Assets as a Service? Speaking on the session are Mark Daly from Zero Hash, Krupa Pushparaj from Step, and with moderator Simon Taylor from 11FS. Hello, everybody. How are we today? That good? Wow! You guys burn my socks off. I, hey, I am excited for this conversation because, uh, my goodness, I don't know if you saw the news, um, but I think there are at least 4.5 billion reasons why Web3 is not dead. Um, and if you missed it, Andreessen just announced Crypto Fund 4. Uh, hey, listen, I, I am so excited to be here and I have lost my notes. That's how excited I am. Here it is. Right, my notes. Uh, joining me today is uh, Karupa, um, I'm not going to try and say your last name, Karupa, uh, who is from Step, and I would love it if you could just introduce for the audience who Step are if they live under a rock and they haven't heard of you. All right. Uh, hi, everyone. It's great to be here. My name is Karupa Pushparaj. That's the last name. Thank and, you. Uh, I'm the general counsel at a fintech based out of Palo Alto called Step. Step is a digital banking platform targeted towards the next generation, giving Gen Z a platform for all their banking and financial needs. It's equal parts introduction to financial literacy and helping them empower them, take on financial responsibility and giving them access to a whole suite of tools that helps them learn, develop their financial skills and be successful as they pass into adulthood. So that's the platform. Um, I take care of all the legal, policy, compliance, trust and safety functions, as well as uh, lead the product development for our investment line of products, which is both uh, stock and crypto, which is what we will dive into today. Perfect. And Mark from ZeroHash. Hey, yeah. Uh, Mark Daly, VP of Growth at ZeroHash. Um, who we are, we provide a B2B2C infrastructure layer for crypto, enabling any platform to offer crypto products to their end users. And so we power a range of platforms today, digital banks, broker dealers, buy now pay later applications, pretty much any fintech that's looking to enter this space. We take on the technical complexity of offering these products and then also the regulatory burden as well. Um, so yeah, and Step is very proudly one of our clients too. We're happy to have them on board and uh, excited to support their crypto product. So I, I want to step back, if you'll excuse the pun, Kirupa, um, and just take a look at, at your client base and you know, sort of what you learned when you've spoken to them. Why does your customer really, really want access to digital assets, and should you be giving it to them in this market? Uh, that's a that's a very fine question, and I did not attend the prep session either, so these are all real questions coming in. So let's take it one at a time. The next generation, Gen Z. I'm sure everyone here agrees that the Gen Z, the next generation, has far more understanding of at least advanced financial technology than I guess I did as eons ago as a teenager and as a young adult. That's number one. Number two, it's not that we are giving them access to an asset class that they don't have access to. They have access to it, just not in a legitimate way. They're on their parents' accounts. They're in all these platforms, private wallets, where it's just unregulated and unsafe. We know our teens. We empower the teens to be successful, but under 
proper responsible access and controls from the parent or the legal guardians, right? We have an opportunity to build a product that they already have access to. There's a strong need for it. We've surveyed our, our customer base. By the way, we have about 3 million users, 87% of whom have had their first proper digital banking for the first time in their lives. Not because there's not access to banking, but Gen Z wants everything today. This is a class of generation of people who were born with, if not iPhones, cell phones, and have everything at the snap of a finger, right? And so banking solutions that cater to that need, everything available on their phone is a strong need for them, which is why they're quickly adopting to a platform like Step. And then offering access to crypto. Again, it's happening. It's participation in the Web3 economy. It's getting paid in crypto. This is already happening. There's no legal platform Legal, legally offered platform at the moment, which gives this access to under 18s. So to give them access and balance out, how are we offering it to them to help them responsibly diversify their assets, responsibly invest, but also in a way that parents have control and in responsible manners. We have an opportunity to do that and do it right. And that's exactly what we're doing. And if anyone wants to talk about turbulence in the market, I think we should look at everything comprehensively. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. a <laughs> really good point. I, I, and I think, um, so just as an anecdote, I met with the board of a very large bank who shall remain nameless, uh, who admitted to me that they were starting to really pay attention to crypto and Web3 because all of their children and grandchildren were doing it. And, and often they were showing me their apps and it's like, this is what my grandchild helped me buy. And so to your point, this is the reality, and often we get sort of patronizing about Gen Z when actually this is a generation of people who really, really know what they're talking about. Um, and then just to kind of come back to you briefly, Karupa, you worked with, you partnered with Zerohash, you looked at digital assets as a service. As a live case study, can you just explain the rationale for why you did that versus the heavy engineering and going direct? Sure. And I speak about this objectively. This is not a puff piece for either of our companies, but so all of most fintechs out there, we all start with a mission. We have a core mission in mind and ours is about empowering the financial future for the next generation, a class of people who've traditionally not had access to the financial tools that help them succeed. We suddenly thrust upon them adulthood and say, here, you're 18, you're 21, go figure out your first loan, your first car, whatever it is, right? So that's where we start. And so we have our priorities and to be successful and to be able to offer exactly the tools that our client base needs to empower them to, be, to help them be successful, we place our emphasis, our resources, our innovation into offering a wide suite of products all the way from banking solutions, deposit your checks, deposit your paychecks, withdraw money, here's offers, here's rewards, here's opportunities to invest both in the stock market and crypto. And our focus should be on how are we offering these products responsibly in a compliant manner, taking account privacy objectives for both the parent and the child. And that's where our, our, our focus is, our innovation is, and our efforts are. If we were to individually develop each line of these products ourselves from scratch on our own, we could be spending all our efforts and energy in just developing a crypto product and probably not even be successful at it because that's not how we started. So access to partners who understand what we are trying to do, 
and how we're able to incorporate their product in a turnkey manner is very important. There's a bunch of objectives and things to go through when you make selection. I'm sure we'll get into that. But having that access allows us to get into more offerings, more solutions, more capabilities in our app in a much quicker fashion. We're talking about weeks to months here as opposed to, well, starting a new company like Zerohash and, and, and building that regulatory compliance around it. We have enough regulatory compliance overhead <laughs> and to do it right. And this is not something we're easily able to take on, right? So the partnership model works perfectly for original pay. I'm just going to ask for a show of hands. Who wants more compliance in their life? No? Yeah, nobody's okay. too excited to be regulated. I think uh, we, we sit in that track really well. You know, Zero Hash, we're a money service business at a federal level, money transmitter state by state. Uh, bit license holder in New York. I could go on about international regulation as well that we're working on, but uh, I don't think we've got that much time. So essentially, though, when you think about offering these products, you have a regulatory cons- uh, part of it, and you've also got the technical lift as well. And so going to market and having a partner in the as-a-service model is, is huge because, as Krupa says, you can go live in a couple of weeks, not months, not years. It's a, it's a turnkey solution. And I think it sits really well with how people interact with partners today. It's 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 essentially the way people want to launch products in this space. And Mark, on that, um, if you were to start from scratch and try and interact with the 35 different types of crypto rails, what are the things that you at Zero Hash have had to do? Because I think it is always worth double-clicking on some of the challenges of running a crypto product because they look in some ways similar to a traditional financial product. And in some ways, there's a whole bunch of new risks. Yeah, it's it's um, there's a lot to it. I'm I'm not on the technical side, so I'm I'm kind of grateful for that. But essentially, you got to think of two things here. Um, on the sort of technical piece, you've got custody to deal with. So okay, you've got to build out your wallet infrastructure. Uh, you've got on-chain transactions. You've got to scan addresses and third-party addresses before you interact with them. You've got liquidity. You've got fragmented liquidity pools across 50 different assets. Um, I could honestly go on and on here about the different layers that, of our business that we put together. Um, and then talking about the regulatory side as well is just another beast to, to deal with. So ultimately, going and building this product alone, uh, taking on that regulatory burden, having crypto on balance sheets, uh, isn't for the faint-hearted and isn't actually something that our clients can do. Uh, some of our broker-dealer clients are FINRA-regulated. They don't want crypto on their balance sheet. Um, OCC-regulated clients uh, are waiting for like interpretive letters from the OCC before they interact further. Uh, that's something that brings with it extra sort of capital requirements and liquidity requirements. Um, and a lot of those groups are walking backwards to use third parties for this type of services. So ultimately, um, I think we're an easy way for groups to get access and get live. And the sort of Putting this together yourself is a multi-year process. And even at that point, you'll get to market with somewhat of a limited product, given that this space moves so quick. And that's, that's it. What are you going to focus your effort and time on, I guess, becomes really, really crucial. Um, Karibu, when we spoke before, you mentioned that there were some interesting things coming out of your customer research when you spoke to them, uh, particularly that customer's attitudes towards this space. Could you um, share some of the lessons you learned from, from your customers? So our customers are both the parents and our guardians and the teenagers, right? And obviously there's different perspectives. We talked about this. The Gen Z customer knows a lot more and is more comfortable with crypto than the typical parent is. And there's a lot of reverse education happening there. So the biggest education we found from our research is there is a real need and desire for both parents and children to get into crypto, there's still a lot of uncertainty that the parents deal with. 
uh, we've had parents say, is this really a Ponzi scheme? And <laughs> go through that education, right? And for them, it's not about not exposing their children to this asset class because believe it or not, it's happening. They're doing it in shady places or under your parents' accounts. So from a parent's perspective, the desire is how do I offer this exposure to uh, this new asset class in a responsible manner where I have controls and I'm able to see what they're doing and control what they're doing. How are you offering it in a manner that's also responsible? I don't want my child putting their entire life savings into crypto to have it all blow up in a day, which is not out of the realm of possibility considering the asset classes. So we take on the responsibility. And, and for children on the other side, most children, even for regular banking products, right? If a parent gives the child a credit card saying you can use this, they can't wait until they're 18 to discard it. I don't want to be under my parents' control. And, and this is my dad's card, my mom's card, I want my own. So we also want to empower the team directly how do we empower them directly to be able to do things This is their car, but give the parent the amount of focus and control? That's, that's a delicate balance. We want to do it right. So parents are also eager about how are you going to do that in crypto such mm -hmm. that it's responsibly offered. And a lot of parents get my kids off of my Coinbase account. <laughs> that's, that's uh, it's a simple use case. Mark, you were going to jump in. I said oh. it's, it's a fairly simple use case, yes. but with a lot of need. Mark, you were about to jump in. Sorry. No, no, yeah, for sure. Um, I think what we see is that, and, and Step's a great example of a group that are launching a product. They've been able to define what the parameters are for these end users, uh, you know, choose what assets they want to support. Because when you look at maybe like a partner like ZeroHash, there's a lot of optionality. You know, we offer 50 different assets. Uh, we offer staking. We offer rewards. Uh, we're offering an NFT infrastructure layer later this year. So there's a lot to sort of chew on, but ultimately you can define what your product looks like, knowing what your client base looks like as well. And you know, there is a, a sort of wider topic here of like the intersection of traditional fintechs moving into crypto because crypto companies are becoming more like traditional fintech companies. Like I can go to Gemini and go to get a credit card. I can go to Coinbase and open a bank account. I can you know, go to FTX and buy some Apple stock. There's well, and, and Robinhood and Revolut have all announced they're doing a Web3 wallet now just to exactly. add another layer, a non-custodial or a self-custody wallet, just to add another layer of complexity to things. So this space just kind of keeps moving. And it's for, for those of us that watch the space full time, it's impossible to keep up with. And, and, and I think that's kind of the challenge. I, 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 Mark, something, as you were speaking, I thought it might be worth defining digital assets as a service because it's a great title. But is that similar to banking as a service? Is that an unhelpful comparison? Like, how do you think about that? I think it's a helpful comparison. Ultimately, what we're trying to define with that title is that if you're looking to launch a product in this space and you want a trusted third party that has experience in offering these products, has lives with multiple clients, uh, you've got a simple API you can interact with, akin to banking as a service, which you know I can go to a banking as a service layer and launch my banking product with no regulatory overhead and, and very light technical lift. It's, it's exactly the same on this side. That um, makes a ton of sense. Sorry, just before you jump in, I can see the Slido's active. If you have any questions for the audience and uh, the audience, if you have any questions for yourself, if you have any questions for our panelists that you need to get answered, please do scan that and get them sent through. Sorry, Karubi, you're about to jump in. Oh, no, I was just going to add to what Mark just said. Having gone through the process not too, just recently, there are a couple of things we learned about how to pick the partner and what makes a good partner to have this turnkey kind of solution. I think some of the learnings, if any of you are interested in doing this are, first, how well are they taking regulatory overhead on? How serious are they in, 
innovating and putting in investment into regulatory compliance. That's important for me. I don't want my partner getting dinged for poor compliance in a way that affects me. So that is a huge amount of diligence of looking into. And number two, it is about the ability for that company to, well, first innovate in their own space and also innovate with us. Not every customer is going to have the same kind of product. You can't be so rigid that you can't innovate with us. We needed a different type of account structure that brought in both the parent and the child. And we were able to make that happen, right? And then the tech stack. Your engineering team has to be happy with the tech stack, API, easy APIs, easy documentation that gives you ability to actually jump in and deliver a product in three weeks, four weeks, as, as we've been able to do. And then, of course, in the financials, not even talking about cheap financials, about clear, simple financials that helps you envision how the product looks. So these were some of the factors that, as surprisingly simple as they are, are, are very important features you need to look into as you integrate a product. Uh, compliance always comes first, doesn't it, uh, Mark? And, and I think that's such, a, such an interesting point. What have you learned about people that have got the most out of digital assets as a service for, from a from looking at it the other way? Like, what does a great customer do and what, what have been some of the pitfalls of people that have not got the most out of digital assets as a service? Yeah, I, I think um, understanding their their end client is is the most important thing here. Like, you know, Step have done a fantastic job of looking at their client base and really defining that product. And I think that's where we see uh, some really good success stories is that these groups who really understand their end client, what they're looking for, what kind of account structures they need, and then ultimately building that there inside our environment and, and leveraging the the, I guess, the, the technical uh, powers of ZeroHash to, to offer those products. Um, I think one thing that we've noticed too is that it's incredibly easy to sort of test the waters as well. You, you don't need to go and, you know, go full Coinbase almost and offer all assets, all products. You can sort of test the waters with like a rewards product. Um, you know, I2C published a report just, uh, just a couple of months back on this actual thing of like reward programs versus traditional programs in credit cards and how they grow and how, they, how they're exceeding each other in terms of what they offer. I think we see that there's like seven times uh, in terms of a growth rate for traditional programs uh, from crypto to non-crypto. And, and then also higher user spend per, uh, per asset and, uh, and more interaction with the wider products. So those are the types of things that uh, I think are a great first step for groups who want to launch in this space. Is to start off with rewards and then build through and sort of understand your client base better, understand their needs and wants, and then, you know, Build it out over time. Understand your clients start with the rewards. That's news you can use, advice you can use. Uh, there is one question that's come in uh, from somebody who's anonymous. Very crypto of you. Well done, anonymous. Um, <laughs> and this question is for Step. For Gen Z, how important is the customer experience versus the actual price of the products being offered? Karupa, I guess that's for you. All right. Uh, I'm not sure what exactly you mean by actual price of the financial product, but customer experience is absolutely important. This is a class of people who, who have limited attention span, need access immediately, are quick to switch over, quick to uh, make decisions. And so having a UI that's simple and having all the products available right at the interface, spend a lot of time into designing that customer interface experience that is very, very important. Also, when you look into prices, this is, again, a cohort of people who don't do as much spending in terms of ticket sizes, volume sizes, as a typical adult does. So how do we give them access to the products, have them enable all these products at a price point that makes sense for them? How do we make it free? 
and, and still be able to function as a revenue-making company. That is a challenge, but there's a lot of input and, and uh, innovation going in there. I, I think this, this question, too, touches on sort of liquidity as well, and that can be somewhat forgotten. You know, ticket size, I would say, across some of our platforms would be maybe you know, 70 to 100 bucks per, per transaction. Um, on the back end, zero hash is responsible for actually sourcing that liquidity in the market and ensuring that we're getting the best mid-price uh, for that for that uh, transaction. And so on our side, we have to go and connect in with multiple exchanges, multiple liquidity providers to actually get direct liquidity and then provide that back then to, uh, to Step so they can offer that to their end user and get to a price point that is reflective of that market value at that time. So I think that's a, yeah, it's, an, it's definitely an important consideration as you start to look at products in the space. And I think that kind of rounds us out. So um, ladies and gentlemen, please thank my guests. Um, where can people learn about uh, more about ZeroHash? Uh, we boot 950, uh, call by, there's a happy hour at 2 o'clock, uh, so that's probably the best start, but uh, you can go to our website, www.zerohash.com. And if people have teenagers that they want to get into um, kind of managing their money better, where do people find out more about STEP? Well, let them know about STEP, they probably know about it even before the parents did. Yeah, they were probably on TikTok. <laughs> awesome, all right, thank you, round of applause please. Thanks very much.